Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today, and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation, as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. Well, good morning. Good morning. It's a, it's a little loud outside. It's a little booming and thundering. And I am just honored that you are still showing up and hanging out this morning to see and experience what God can do in your life. Uh, I want to dive into our series called Skipping the Small Talk. If you have your notes, go ahead and follow along. We have a handout out in our lobby space, or you can just go to faithnfm.com and uh, you can follow along and take notes there with this as well. This morning, I want to talk to you about this idea of discovering your call. We're coming into the year 2022, and uh, I believe that each and every one of us have a call on your life. 1 Corinthians 7.17 says this, only let each person lead the life the Lord has assigned to them and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. So this is the rule for the churches back in the day. This is the rule for the churches now. This is the rule for the churches to come. I want you to turn to your neighbor right now. Let's, let's get a little loose and say, you're called. Come on, say it like you mean it. You're called. There we go. Each and every one of you, you are unique. You are valuable. God knows your number. You're called. He cares. He loves. And He is in this place where He's wanting the best for your life. And with that being said is part of that is owning and stepping into our call. A lot of times uh, we come into the issue for us is that we miss the call, that we simply get distracted from the call. We maybe ignore the phone call. I don't know, you remember back in the day with the landlines, right? Anybody? Some of you might still have some landlines and that's totally cool. You are accepted here. We love all people, right? Well, landlines, I remember there was moments growing up, the, the phone would ring and we had this policy in our house. It would never ring more than two times. And as a child, I was expected to pop up and, and get it. Hello, Hanson household, how may I help you? Or who are you looking for? I don't know if anybody can relate in one way or another. And so I remember answering those phone calls. But when my parents were gone, there was moments I would let that phone ring and ring and I would ignore it. We would miss the phone call. A lot of times the issue in our lives, God is calling us, but we miss it. We're distracted. Maybe uh, kids, if, if you're a young family or have grandkids, the, the house is loud and, and the phone is, is going off and you're like, I don't have time for that phone right now. See, the landline would be loud and you would hear it and we would just ignore it. But nowadays we also have the cell phone. And the cell phone, whenever it rings, and what happens if we don't know the number that's calling us? We ignore it, right? Sometimes God is calling you into a season, into a step in life that you don't know what it is. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know how to operate or respond. And so you say, I'm going to ignore it a little bit. See, we want the best for you. I care for you. Pastor Goss, our church team, our faith family cares for you so much that the best you is when you step into the call. 
So today, I want you to look through this lens of this. Our challenge this morning is evaluate our call with our families, our church, and our work. Our families, our church, and our work. How is God calling you to serve your family? If you're a father in the room, how is he calling you to lead your family, to set precedent, to, to be disciplined, to work and, and live and operate to your commitments? How is God calling you to lead your family? If you're a mother in the room or grandparent in the room, and maybe you need to take that step back and say, how am I called to serve my family? How am I assisting and helping my kids even though they're, they're redlining my temper right now and, and you're at wit's end and you don't know what to do? How am I calling to serve my family? How am I called to serve when it comes to my church? I, I think part of our call is finding a local church. Now, I love that you're here, but our desire is this. We are a kingdom-focused church, meaning this, that we don't care what church you go to as long as you're actively engaging in that church and they're Jesus-centered because Jesus is the one that fills the chasm between us and God. So how are we actively serving our church? I love walking in, man, it's wet outside, it's thundering, and you have these greeters and, and they're like, hey, here's your umbrella cover. Like, hey, and, and they're there, they're committed, they're showing up early. We have our growth track, culture course. Some of us aren't living out to our call because we're not serving our church. How are you serving your church? Or maybe how are you serving at your work? Uh, I love this line, it's kind of embedded itself in, in my whole life is, some of you are the only Bible that your coworkers will ever read. You, you are the brightest light in some of the darkest times in someone's life. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, how are we living out our call amongst our coworkers, our boss, people around us when the customers come in and the customer is definitely not right, how are you serving them? So today, I, I want the best for you. I believe you want the best for yourself. And so we're gonna be discussing, continuing to look into Galatians where we're gonna look at our call, how to discover your call. So Galatians chapter one, we're starting with verse 11. Let me just give you a little historical context, a little dive into. The apostle Paul is this individual that wrote about two thirds of the New Testament book-wise. He comes in and he's speaking to this church uh, or region, a network of churches. And he writes this letter and basically he skips all the small talk and he goes, how are you being distracted? If you remember with us in verse six last week, he goes, I am astonished that you're segueing away from the gospel that I taught you. We taught last week about knowing the call, knowing the message, knowing the gospel, because it's fundamental as we proceed forward. But it's also fundamental is that we live out and live up to our call. So the Apostle Paul, he's coming in and he's saying, you have these people called the Judaizers. They're trying to make everything ritualistic. And I don't know about you, but when things get ritualistic and legalistic, you kind of scratch your head and like, can I ever be enough. And Paul's saying there's one thing that's enough, that's the gospel of Jesus. So how to discover your call? Number one is this, we need to own our relationship with Jesus. Own our relationship with Jesus. If you look over to my right, your left, if you're here in the room, we have our baptismal take. 
A way that we own our relationship with Jesus is taking that step and get baptized. That's why we believe in water immersion because what we're saying is the old life is gone and the new life has come. We make that decision for ourselves. And I wanna encourage you, maybe growing up in your life, you were sprinkled with water or or maybe you went through a different ritual or or something along those lines. I wanna encourage you, if you haven't been baptized, they're taking place after or during our second service, come back, go grab lunch. If you want, bring me your receipt and I'm making a bold statement or go grab brunch, come back and come get baptized. Because we believe it in so much that when you commit your life, owning that relationship with Jesus, a life of obedience is then being baptized. So that's what we say when it comes to living out your call. First, you have to own your relationship with Jesus. Verses 11 and 12 is where we'll start. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that is preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus never changes. Jesus is constant. Jesus is always the same. Jesus is the constant variable in life. I love what Hebrews 13, it says, Jesus Christ is the same as yesterday, today, and forever. See, we live in an ever-changing world, right? We live in a time where people might give their opinions and then we find out sometime later that opinion is changed. Let's look at a couple things in history. If, let's look at uh, George Washington. George Washington, the first president of the United States, he, he, he got sick. Now, it was common practical medical belief that whenever someone would get sick with an infection back in the day, they would do this procedure called bloodletting. So basically they would cut, they would drain blood from your body, trying to remove the infection. Kind of weird, right? Because now what's the common practice? If you're sick, you need healthy blood. You need more of it. See, it's, it's crazy how that medical practice switches. Humanity, whenever humanity leads, things change. I don't know if I should say this or not because I'm a little reserved, but COVID, I don't, I don't know if we can keep up with the ever-changing scale of COVID, what to do, what's the practice, what's the procedures, what should I do? I talk with our team, hey, what are we doing again exactly on X, Y, and Z? And, and because everything has different sources. Everybody has different beliefs. There's so many different common understandings that it almost makes your head scratch. Why? Because that's how humanity leads. Things change. But with Jesus in our lives, things never change. Jesus is the constant. When I have doubt, Jesus will give me hope. When I need encouragement, Jesus has already defeated the cross. When I need help, Jesus will lead the way. He will give us his spirit. He will give us the direction, the the comfort, the discernment that we need. See, the Apostle Paul, he is combating these group of Judaizers who are challenging him. And he says, it does not matter what you say to me. It does not matter what they are teaching you. What matters is my revelation in Jesus Christ, and I'm owning that relationship. I want to encourage you today, own your relationship with Jesus. That's where your call is unlocked. That's where it begins. That's when God can do amazing things in your life, 
amazing things to the point of you don't even understand how when you look back at your life, man, that was God. See, the Apostle Paul, he looks and he keeps working through and he's talking to him and he's like, my Damascus experience, if you're familiar with when Paul came and, and met Jesus, he was on his way to go kill other Christians. And then Jesus shows up this light, his companions go blind and, and, and Paul has this radical encounter. See, Paul, he relied on what God said, not what man said. So how do we do that? Paul's call is made clear by Jesus. Paul's call started with Jesus. It's the foundation of his call. So I want to encourage you, own your relationship with Jesus by making him the highest authority in your life. Your decision making, all right? What's the authority? When you're praying about something, what's the authority? When you're worried about something, what's the authority? When you need help with relationships, what's the authority in your life? When you're emotional because a coworker said something to you, what's the authority? How are you supposed to operate? We need to lead with the authority of Jesus in our life. That's where our call begins. Number two, how do we discover our call is we need to direct our passions or your passion. God has uniquely wired up you individually to pursue interest things that excite you, things that make you jump up and down, and, and he's, uniquely he, he's uniquely wired you to chase some of the things that fire you up. I, I think one of the misleading items when it comes to uh, church is, well, if I go to church and I can't be passionate or enthusiastic about some things that are maybe elsewhere in life. But I'm saying whenever we have church and Jesus in the mix, when we're owning that, then we're saying, hey, we can celebrate a little louder, prouder, have a little more hope. It's exciting. Sometimes we just have to direct our passion. Let's look at Paul's life in Galatians 1.13, verse 16. He's communicating his authority. It says this, for you have heard of my former life in Judaism. How I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. We see this radical account in Acts chapter 7 where the Apostle Paul is giving oversight to the first Christian martyr by the name of Stephen. People are literally stoning Stephen, putting him to death. Paul, this man, at the time known as Saul, is standing there observing it. He, he's, he's giving orders, let's do that, that looks good. See, Paul has passion at this moment, but it's not in the right place. We continue when we look in verse 14, and I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers, but when he who made, who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach among the Gentiles. So you look back in the, uh, the story of Paul, he was always a passionate individual. He was always a man that, that lived kind of a fiery life. He was trying to please God. That was a passion in his life. The only problem was Paul was actually misplacing the passion until he had a radical encounter with Jesus. 
Sometimes we're missing our call because we're misplacing our passion. So I want to give you two questions this morning to ask yourself when it comes to directing your passion. The first one is this, is my passion in alignment with God's Word? Now it's going to take some effort because how do you know if it's in God's Word? You got to look at God's Word. That's why last week we talked about, hey, you got to know your message, you got to know your word. We want to help you, we want to coach you. That's why we have groups, there's studies. At 8.15 we have classes, there's different Bible studies taking place. Encourage you, get involved, know your word. Matthew 4.4, Jesus says this, but Jesus told them, know the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We need another word. So is your passion in alignment with God's word? You want to live, discover your call when it comes to following God? Know your word. Number two, the next question we need to look at for ourselves is this, is my passion currently in the right place? Currently in the right place. Sometimes we can be fueled up and fired up and, and a lot of people have already said something to me, and, and I'll go here. My Cincinnati Bengals won yesterday. First time in 31 years, I believe. Like, come on, man. Like, I was looking at the TV. I was excited. I was like, whoo, my wife's recording me. And I said, you better destroy that video. I'm like screaming throughout the house. My neighbors know I'm a Bengals fan. I'm yelling for my Bengals. Oh man, we're winning the Super Bowl now. Like I am stoked, right? First time, really. The Bengals, whew, man. But see, here's the thing. We all, we, a lot of us like football, especially in Southwest Florida. Everybody's from everywhere. It's a melting pot. But sometimes this is what happens whenever we let passion in our life. We let what the football game is going to do when it's going to play impact our schedule when it comes to following God's call on our lives. I uh, live some time out on the West Coast, and when you're out there, the football games start at 10 a.m. I kid you not, there's many people that can, I can't come to church, uh, my, my team's playing at 10. And you scratch your head and you say, okay, we have this creator we worship. We have this individual that has given us his one and only son to die on the cross. And we have this new hope and this new life. And we can't come to church? Sometimes we have to look at our lives and say, is my passion in the right place? Look what Jeremiah 17, 9, the prophet says this. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? The worst piece of advice you can ever be given is follow your heart. See, uh, we like what we like. We have uncontrollable bias. There's people who have poured things into our lives. Our heart has gripped it and we haven't been able to move past it. That's why it's vital we are looking. Is my call, is my life in alignment with God's word? And what am I passionately pursuing right now? Is it in the right place? Do I need to seek counsel? Do I need to lean into somebody and say, hey, maybe you need to speak into some of the choices that I'm making? And then number three for us when it comes to discovering our call is this. We need to take time to evaluate. Take time to evaluate. 
Galatians 16, 17, the apostle says this, and we'll continue again partly in verse 16, and he was, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, people who at this point aren't part of the Jewish nation. He says, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Culture wires us that we need immediately confirmation and affirmation in what we do. If you look at Paul's story, actually the timeline is this. He has this conversion experience and then he spends three years away. He's with companions. He's studying. He's understanding and listening and trying to lean in. Who is Jesus? He, he always cognitively knew of him, but did he really know him? So he spends three years, which is the irony of it because of the apostles before him, guys like Peter and James, spent three years in active ministry with Jesus. So Paul takes time to study. He takes time to evaluate. He takes moments and steps away. See, look, he's persecuting the church. He goes to having this revelation with Jesus where he's owning it for him. And then the disciples, he spends time in Acts chapter 9, verse 19, where he's hanging out, has this revelation, and he just hangs out with some other disciples, people who are Jesus followers. And he takes time away to go understand his call. And then he goes on to meet the most influential person of that time, church. See, a lot of times when we have news or when we have some things going on or we're trying to pursue a passion, what we want to go and do is listen to the person who is the greatest influence in our life. We go knock on their door and we say, hey, tell me about this. And it's almost immediately. A lot of times we have to take a step back and say, I need to wait. I need to understand. I need to process for myself before I lean on someone else's opinion to tell me what I need to do with my life. Your call needs to be an evaluation of owning the relationship, directing your right passions, and then taking time to really meditate and process on that. See, but I, I also wanna be clear because of this. Evaluating is not idling. Evaluating isn't just sitting there and saying, hey, what am I going to do? I'm going to sit in my room and, and kind of look at life. No, I love what it's been said. Even if you're on the right track, if you stop, you'll get run over. See, the Apostle Paul, he's on the right track. So what's he do? He goes to this place called this region of Arabia. There he's learning about who Jesus is. He's raising up more disciples. He's doing what God's called him to do in his relationship with Jesus. Psalms 1.1 says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on the law both day and night. That person is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Whatever they do prospers. It's always this act of moving forward. 
It's our relationship with Jesus. I want to encourage every young person in this room. A college landscape is going to be different as we move through the times, but taking a gap year, okay, doesn't mean you, you take a year off of school and you do nothing. It means you work, you evaluate what God's calling you to do. I met with a young man a while back. He comes in and he's like, hey, Pastor Blake, I want to do what you do. I'm like, okay, so you're called in the ministry? And he's like, yeah, you know, he's like, and so I'm like, well, give me a little bit about your life. You know, what are you doing? I was serving, I'm working at a church right now, but I don't really think it's for me. I said, oh yeah, why is that? He's like, they got me cleaning toilets. And I said, huh, that's interesting. Okay, like expound that. He's like, I'm like, well, what are you saying? He's like, I just want to get up there and I want to preach. How long did it take you to get up to do that? I said, well, I had to clean quite a few toilets. I had to paint some walls. I had to go through a process, and truth be told, I don't know how I get these opportunities other than the favor of God and being diligent to the doors that He's opening. Now, here's the thing. I love it. This is your lead pastor, Pastor Phil Goss. Christmas Eve, we have a service. And, and I remember, if you don't know his story, it's radical. I mean, he was in a severe car accident and, and like, didn't think he was going to live 30-some years ago. And uh, I mean, he shows you pictures and your mind's just kind of blown away. Some of you are very familiar with the story. And Christmas Eve, we, didn't, we, we know it's Christmas Eve, family holidays. We didn't want to tax volunteers. So as a team, as a staff, hey, we decided to go around, pick up the trash, scrape up the wax because probably my kids were like pouring the candle out and the wax was falling, you know. So we're like taking the cards and we're scraping it off. And, and I see Pastor Goss who has poured his blood, sweat, and tears into this church, who cares for people, uh, who lives with a man, uh, such a man of integrity. Like, it's people not, men, like, not building his church. He's all about people, and he pours that into me year and year. People, people, people. And I see this man who has no, honestly, right to be going up through the bleachers, he, he gets done and he's picking up the trash. 70 years old, picking up the trash, down on his knees, scraping off the wax. Because he's doing what it takes. But he's doing it because that's what God's called him to do. He's doing whatever it takes to pursue God's call. See, when it comes to discovering God's call, in our life. We need to take time to evaluate. Am I really going to take time to evaluate and do what needs to be done in order to see what God's really called me to do? I want to encourage you right now. Everything good in life, as you know, it, it doesn't just happen overnight. It takes work. It takes moments to bend down, pick up the trash, scrape the wax off the floor, and keep doing what God's calling you to do. Evaluation periods take more work, more understanding. The Apostle Paul knew this. Number four, when it comes to discovering God's call in your life is this, we need to seek God's approval. Seek God's approval. I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but I'll say it again. Man's approval is very confusing. God's approval is clear. I don't know if you've ever been around someone who's 
a little emotional. One day you get them on their high, the next day you get them on your low, and then at the end of it, you kind of leave your hands up and, I'll, and say, I'll be me and they be them and let's just move on, march on and, and keep our heads up and high. When it comes down to it, if you look back in verse 10, where, where Apostle Paul, he says, be a person that is seeking to please God. How do you do that? You become a servant of Jesus. When we try to please men, it becomes exhausting. Galatians 18, 24. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, Cephas, excuse me, and remained with him 15 days. Cephas is this man by the name of Peter, or the patriarch of the church. But I saw none of, other, none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. So it's Paul, he's writing to this church of Galatia saying, listen, 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 I have authority. What I'm writing, this is my story, this is my call, listen. And then I went up, he continues, and then I went up to the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. That's an important detail because Judea, that's where the, the church was at. But yet he's this unknown character. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. They're talking about Paul. And they glorified God because of me. See, Paul was so consumed with God's approval. That's the only thing that mattered to him. When it comes to his call, is God approving that call? 1 Thessalonians 2.4, he writes this. He says, for we speak as messengers approved by God to, entrusted, to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. So I want to close with this. And that final statement Paul makes is this. God's approval gives boldness. God's approval gives boldness. In chapter 2, we're going to be talking about it next week a little bit. Paul, this man who uh, was a murderer of Christians, he then goes and he confronts one of the most notorious apostles of all time, the man who walks on water, this man by the name of Peter. And he says, and he corrects Peter, talk about a boldness. You go from that team to now on the right team, and you're willing to take head on one of the most influential figures. See, when we're living out our call, we have this boldness to us. Number two, when it comes to this, when we're seeking God's approval, God's approval breaks labels. Breaks labels. Now, I want to be clear about this. There's choices we've made. There's decisions that each and every one of us in this room watching online have made. Some in the past, some yesterday. And no escaping some of those choices sometimes follows a label with us. We can't escape it. We've made mistakes, so we've gone through some, some seasons. Can you imagine Paul, he, he's saying, hey, I'm on the right team, but he never escaped this label of, I persecuted Christians. That's what he was known about in the region of Judea. Hey, this man who killed Christians. 
They didn't have any social media back then. They didn't have like Instagram to say, hey, I'm at this church, I'm praising my hands, like I'm, I'm celebrating, I'm clapping, I'm praying. Like that could have helped Paul a lot because a lot of people have been like, oh, he's actually made right. He's not a bad guy after all. But they didn't have that. Every time Paul showed up on someone's doorstep, they would probably take a step back and be like, are you serious? Like, uh, like, you killed Christians. Are you really like a new man? Every time Paul would have to tell his story, every time he had to share his authority, every time he had to share about that relationship that he had with Jesus. So I would encourage you, you might be in this place right now with a label on your life. When we talk about labels in here, we're saying that, hey, you know what, there might be a label that follows you, but because of that, the choices, your, your moral choices, what have maybe has happened, the way you would have handled situations before Jesus is now different with Jesus. And, and you don't get hung up on maybe what people are calling you or maybe what people are saying about you, but you're saying, hey, you know what? I'm a new person in Jesus. They might say that, but I'm gonna respond with this. Hey, you wanna come to church with me? How you doing? I care for you. How's your family? So a lot of times we wanna look through our course of life and we wanna break the label. We don't wanna be associated with the label, but Paul's saying not, that's not always the case. That's not always the case. Real quick, uh, there was this young man when I was serving as an executive pastor out in Los Angeles. This young man comes in. Uh, it, I love our kids' programming here, dialed in in, in so many different areas and love it. And Pastor Joe and Julie, they do a great job. Uh, executive pastor, you have to deal with a lot of different scenarios. Uh, we run background checks for our kids, make sure they're all with. And this one uh, background check comes back and marks a felon, like it goes through, hey, he's convicted of a felony. Young man made a really bad decision at the age of 18. Uh, heart broke for him, um, but we have a policy that if something comes back on your background check, you just can't be with children. And you serve anywhere else, and you can even be like my armor bearer, you can walk with me, you can talk to me, I'll, we'll, we'll come to lunch, whatever the case might be. And I sat there in this in this office, and I said, and he kept leaning, Pastor Blake, well, why can't I? I said, because of, of this. It pains me. Because you have this felony, this one decision that you've made. But you have a choice you can make. You can let this impact you, or you can say, hey, that's my, that might have been what my past was, but moving forward, I'm gonna choose different choices. I'm gonna be wiser. And it pains me to say he took that moment and he ran the, the direction I didn't want him to run. I, I said, hey, you know, Jesus, he's a redeeming Lord. He's for us, he's with us. But there's moments in our call that we have to evaluate. God, I wanna seek your approval. Even though I made a mistake, I still wanna seek your approval. I want to encourage you, no matter what your history might be, there might be a choice you made that's inhibiting you, that's stopping you, but there's another, there's another avenue. There's another way you can get about, that you can grow in a relationship with Jesus. It's not, it's not singularly focused 
Maybe you can't serve in an area. Maybe you try something else. Maybe you need to own the call and step out in faith and go into the unknown and maybe you'll discover you like it. That's why we have our Growth Track Culture course. Today, we talk about that. Seeking God's approval breaks labels because it leads us to make different choices in the days to come. Number three for us is this, God's approval changes lives. And the closing statement of Paul, he says, and they glorify God because of me, Persecuted of, persecutor of Christians. This individual that people would dismiss or not have authority, but yet what they do, they glorified God because of what Paul did. So as we wrap up this morning, I want to encourage you with two hopes that we have. One, that you begin to pursue your call by starting a relationship with Jesus. We have multiple ways you can do that, and you can fill out your, uh, on your phone if you go to faithnfm.com, click on communication card, let us know where you're at. We want to live life with you. And number two, you can evaluate how well you're living out your call within your family, within your church, and within your work. Are you pursuing the things that God's called you to pursue? Or what are some ways you need to look at in your life? I'm going to close this in prayer, and then we're going to have a little baptismal recap video. I want to encourage you, if you want to come back second service and cheer on those getting baptized, you can do that as well. If you want to come and be baptized, you can do that as well. We have shirts, shorts for you. Uh, We have everything. We have breath mints and body spray for you. Uh, But we value you. We care for you. That's why it's important that for you to live out your call is being the best version of you. Church, let's pray. God, we give you this time right now. We worship you and we praise you. We thank you for everything you've done in our lives and continue to lead us and guide us today. I pray that you be with these individuals and allow them to pursue their call at all costs. We honor you this morning. We honor you in your great name. We all say, amen. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.